Welcome to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour, presented by Merriman Social and Third Coast Provisions and featuring Steve Novak. Tonight's special guest is Milwaukee power forward Jabari Parker. I'm William Shatner. After an accident, don't settle for less. Hupy and Abraham believes you deserve more. I'm attorney Jason Abraham. With over 60,000 satisfied clients, we collect millions of dollars each month. Find out how you can receive all of the money that you deserve. Don't wait. The choice is simple. Call Hupy and Abraham. 800-800-5678. Tell the insurance company you mean business. Call Hupy and Abraham. 800-800-5678. Now, live from Merriman Social and Walker's Point, here's Steve Sparky Pfeiffer and the big unit, Bill Michaels. Sparky, you want to take it? You got top billing, bro. Oh, yeah, is that how it works? <laughs> hey, man, I have no idea. Steve Novak should have top billing if anybody has top billing. There right? we go. Welcome. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels sitting alongside uh, the host of the basketball postgame show, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Steve Novak is here. We'll get to one of our guests here in just a couple of minutes uh, as we're going to be joined momentarily. Uh, Jabari Parker is on his way down, but guys, uh, they make it into the postseason. It wasn't the prettiest of games last night to witness. Steve, you and I were texting back and forth going, can we go to bed yet? Uh, Sparky, you had to stay up, unfortunately, and watch the whole thing. thing. (laughs) It's kind of like watching a slow-motion car crash last night, but hey, uh, it's a new slate now. Uh, they begin with uh, the Boston Celtics. Sunday is the day that everything gets underway. And real quick, in, a, in a maybe a minute synopsis, guys, they, they match up well with this team. And, and let's face it, Boston's banged up. They are, they are banged up. And I think, like you just said, though, the regular season versus the playoffs, in no other sport that I can think of, is it this different, where you do go from the regular season and a lot of times at the end of the year, it does kind of seem to taper off a little bit. And so you watch these last couple games. They were more meaningful this year, which was, which was fun. You're... You were turning the Bucks game off, and you're watching the Denver-Minnesota game. It was a fun end of the year, but there's no question. It is about how you are playing right now. Are you healthy? You might have won 70 games this season, and if you lost your star like Boston did and they lost Kyrie Irving, it is a totally different season. It's a seven-game series. It's usually grueling. I think the Bucks match up well, especially with Kyrie Irving out. So I think the season is ending um, in a very good fashion for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Bucks are more talented basketball team than the Boston Celtics, uh, for sure. My question is coaching. Anytime you get into a seven-game series in the postseason in the playoffs, it's going to come down to coaching, game planning, adjustments within the game, adjustments from game to game, and so forth. We know Brad Stevens is one of the best, if not the best, in the NBA. He's done it with not maybe the best talent and beating teams that were more talented. I know what he does. We don't know about Joe Prunty. He's never been in this situation to know how good he'll be in a seven-game series, and that's a big question. We are live down here at the Merriman Social and Third Coast Provisions. Thanks to them for hosting us for the entire uh, season of, of our Milwaukee Basketball Hour. We're joined up here now. We're going to kind of deviate away from basketball for a moment. Kevin Schalk, who is with uh, Baker Tilly, joining us up here at the table. And, and Ke- Kevin, first of all, thanks for the playoff edition, coming to the playoff edition of uh, the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Well, let's hope it goes longer. Yeah. A few more weeks. Yeah, a few more weeks to say the very least. Uh, you're up here because you guys have one of the charities that uh, they work with here is Crohn's Colitis. You guys have that very near and dear to your heart over Baker Tilly, right? Correct, correct. So tell us why you're here tonight to talk a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. Um, you know, first I, I just want to say thank you to, to Brian Lammy for this opportunity. Uh, I asked Steve if these basketballs were mine to sign, but uh, <laughs> I don't think so. So I do bring some 8x10 glossies with me. Uh, Wonderful. <laughs> and some Sharpies, so if uh, we wrap yeah. those at commercials, we'll be good. Uh, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a patient uh, of Crohn's and colitis, or uh, ulcerative colitis. Uh, I got the disease when I was 32. Um, 
managed it for about three years. And in 2013, it just it got really bad. Ended up in the hospital for a few weeks, lost 40 pounds. Couldn't manage it. Uh, and so I ultimately took my whole colon out, you know, and, and created a whole new digestive tract, if you will. What, I was going to say, what is real quick, what are some of the misconceptions about this for the fact that when people hear it, it's not necessarily the best mental picture in your right. head, and there's this whole stigma, I guess, is the best place. Because exactly. I've known a couple of people that have had this. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's just a bathroom disease, and that's what the commercials show. Hey, if you don't want to go to the bathroom all the time, take this drug or take this uh, you know, antibiotic. Uh, but really, you know, there's a mental side to it. There's the anxiety of where is the nearest bathroom? How am I going to get there? Uh, there's the depression that goes with, you know, I can't go out with my friends. You know, I, can't, I don't want to talk about it because it is a, somewhat of an embarrassing topic to a lot of people. Uh, you know, and, and even today, you know, I know where every bathroom is in a 60-mile radius. I only go to restaurants where I'm comfortable with that restroom situation. Uh, you know, it it's becomes a bigger part of your life than just, you know, uh, oh, well, I need to go to the bathroom a couple times a day, so, you know, that's what it is. You know, that's the crazy part. Him and I talked a few weeks back uh, about this whole deal with him. Uh, and how much you pay attention to where the best bathrooms are. And as he told me, we came here, he's like, hey, I got a real nice bathroom here. I, I like the bathroom here. It's like the Seinfeld because of you really, George Costanza. you really do pay attention to where the really, really nice restrooms are, right? I mean, right. you as, more, as much I, – I always get yelled at sometimes because I'm really critical of bathrooms sometimes, right? Because if I don't like the bathroom, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm coming back here. And I don't know what you got, but – just for me, that's a big deal. That tells me how, how much they care about everybody else and their customers on top of it. Right. And if there's somebody out here that knows how to do an app, I'd like to do one that rates the bathrooms around here because I keep my own I record. Am. You know, it goes, how many stalls do you have? What's the toilet paper situation? You know, Is there heat in the bathroom? Th that's a good one as I've well. I've been to bars where there's no heat in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> it's it. It's just a whole part of your life. It's not just, you know what they show on the commercials. Take Humira and you'll be okay. How, how many steps have they made in either working with, uh, helping to alleviate the symptoms of, or coming close to a cure for of uh, all of this? Because right. we talk about the different steps of progress medically for this. Right now, all we're able to do is, is get remission. We don't know what causes it, and so we can't create a cure until we figure out what causes it. Right. And it's different. We're starting to be able to identify certain genomes uh, in kids, so we can kind of develop earlier expectations of how bad is it going to be for them, but we can't fix it. Right. Uh, and so I, I guess if I was lucky, I was it got in my 30s. But I have you know friends uh, who are you know 11 years old, and, and they're walking around the ostomy bag, and you know, that's their life, uh, unfortunately. What uh, if people want to find out more information? Either follow your story, make yep. a donation. You know, it's all about the information that's out there. Where can they go, and who can they talk to? Sure. For for global information, uh, the website is CrohnsColitisFoundation.org. Uh, locally, and on the present of the Wisconsin chapter. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, Wisconsin chapter. Uh, Molly is our, is our leader here. Uh, she can get all the information you want. Uh, you know, we do have our Take Steps Walk on June 3rd this year. It's at South Shore Park. That's our, our biggest fundraiser of the year. Uh, last year we had over 700 walkers. That's great. We're hoping to kick that up a little bit more yeah. this year. That's fantastic. And, and uh, when is that date again? June 3rd at South 3rd. Shore Park. Okay. June 3rd, South Shore Park. And if they want to get registered, they can do that at the website as well? Exactly. Fantastic stuff. Well, thanks for coming on. You know what? Thanks for being a part of the program. I yeah, mean, you guys, has been great. I know we just mentioned it all season long, but nevertheless, for being a part of the program, stepping up and, and, and helping us out and obviously helping yourself out, it's yeah. fantastic. Thanks so much. Yep. Appreciate the opportunity. There you go. That is Kevin Schalk joining us for a couple of minutes from Baker Tilly. And uh, let's do this, guys, because we know that uh, the, uh, the old-style – 
Nice Cadillac is pulling up outside. We know Jabari Parker is on the scene. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. Jabari Parker is going to join us up here. The Bucks are efforting towards the postseason, taking on the Boston Celtics on Sunday in Boston. This portion of the program brought to you by not only Baker Tilly, but also our friends at Sharp Literacy, Third Coast Provisions, Baird Private Wealth Management, and Coors Light. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michael, Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer alongside. We've got more right after this. Welcome back to the program. We are broadcasting live. We're at Merriman Social. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer alongside. And uh, the guy that uh, just rolled up in uh, what is I can only describe as some really nice wheels. Jabari Parker is joining us here in the house tonight. How you doing? Really good. Really good. Let's bend that up. Bend that up. There you go. Right there. Okay, I got to ask you first and foremost, what year is the Cadillac? It's a 64. Original? All original. All decked out? Man, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's a nice way to go. So, uh, I'll, I'll start it off. Last night, not the best way to end the season. Not the way you guys wanted to. Is it just a, a rhythm thing right now? You get a lot of guys back? Because you got to feel optimistic, at least for the fact that you're healthy, finally, for the first time all season long, going to the postseason. Yeah, it's pretty good. Some of the guys got a game or two under themselves, so that really helps get a rhythm of the game. And that's all we can ask for is everybody's healthy for the most part. How do the rotations change now with Brogdon and Delavadova back? Because you guys have been without him for so long coming off of the bench. How does that change now going into the postseason? It changed a little bit, especially for Brandon. Brandon sped up a lot of the tempo for the second unit, but we hope to do the same thing with Malcolm and, and Deli back. And now what about for you? So you've been in the league now for four seasons. The Bucks have been to the playoffs two out of those years, but you were injured for those two. So this right. is your... First time being in the playoffs, you got to be itching. How are you feeling? Are you ready to get out there and play some playoff hoops? Yeah, most definitely. I'm just real fortunate. Anytime, any opportunity I get to play on the court is a blessing. So, especially this time going forward, postseason is what everybody prepares for, and it's big time. What about the the idea of coming off of the bench? Because before you came back doing sports talk radio in this town, everybody. The natural assumption was, well, he'll come back, he'll come off the bench for a few games, back in the starting lineup, and we'll go back to the way it was. And you kind of stayed in that role off of the bench. For you, how has that been as far as a mental adjustment goes and getting comfortable in that role? I mean, we've seen starters go from starters to bench play and had great careers like Ginobili and San Antonio and so forth. How has that been? It's been all right so far. I just keep things in perspective. That's most important, just being grateful with any opportunity I get. And I know it's not for long. Right. So... I just try to do that. What has been the hardest thing for you coming back and then getting right back into games? Because you went through the rehab, you put all the time and your effort in, and then you're trying to not only get into a rhythm with the guys coming off the bench, but then the rotations are so different. So how tough is that for you coming back uh, after being out for so long? Yeah, it was new because a lot of times you build around guys. They know where their shots are coming from. But unlikely me, I just got tossed in the fire. I really didn't have any expectations, right? Like, I had to find my way myself. Where do I need to be on the court? How do guys like to play? So that's just been a difference maker for me. And we talked about this when we did a little on-court interview a couple weeks back. There's things about being hurt and coming back that are really difficult. But you had said when you were out, you were able to kind of see the game slow down. You were really able to learn from some of your teammates and look at it from a perspective that was different. You had the opportunity to relax and sit back and watch it City back, and you also one of the first things you were able to do was come back and shoot 
and shoot and shoot. And we saw in your first few games back, you were on fire from three. So talk about those two things, your shooting and just your perspective on being out, kind of how the, how the injury you, you even told me was you felt like uh, a silver lining. Yeah, it's definitely a silver lining, but I always try to put things in, in being grateful, you know. Like when I sat out, the game slowed down because I was looking from afar, trying to see who I want to be, who I want to become, like especially when I return on the court. And it's just a mentality thing that, that most importantly builded me when I was sitting down. And from that point on, it's like it builds, it builds life character. And that's all I'm concerned with at this point on. Like basketball is fine, but I'm able to walk in, walk in positions where I can help so many kids and so many people in general that don't have the easy way path. No doubt. And, and you have to say, too, it's being a guy who's watched you in the league through your first injury and your second injury and being a Milwaukee guy watching the impact that you've had on these kids and how you've shared your story. I think the, the struggle of an injury, like you said, might not be what someone's going through, but they're going through different things. And I think it's awesome the way that you've incorporated the tough times you've had in hoops with so many people watching you play basketball with the things that they have going on in their life. And I want to say it's awesome to say you've been doing that in the community, man. Thanks. Hey, Jabari, you come out of the draft. I mean, you're number two uh, behind Andrew Wiggins. You could argue you should have been number one. Uh, they screwed up at one. But so you come out, you go two. You're looking, I'm sure you had expectations in your head of what you were going to do in the NBA and how you wanted to impact those first couple of years coming in. Unfortunate luck, you get a couple knee injuries, and now you're at a different stage of your career, obviously, coming off of that. You have restricted free agency coming up this summer. What were your expectations, I guess, coming in? prior to all of that happening to you? And then has any of that changed since all of that, since your rookie year? I would say when I, when I first got into the league, I knew my expectations was going to be tough. Like from that point on, that's the only reason why I went to the NBA in the first place is because it's going to be difficult. And difficult situations really will build you up for a lifetime. So I had that in the back of my mind. But as far as everybody else, that became a distraction start listening to people, start playing for the wrong reasons, and, you know, a lot of stress built up. And then going back to my third year, I had dreams, but they always entitled a title to it. And that's what success is not, in my book, defined. It's not defined by a title. It's just about trying your best and being a good man at the end of the day. So I had to learn that from the first couple years of my career. And I will have no regrets of how my career has been so far. Knee injuries and all, there have been greater blessings in disguise. When you had a chance to, to you say, sit back and watch the game and watch it slow down, what were some of the things specifically that you noticed where not only you could say, maybe I can help my teammates, but this is something that I can help that maybe I didn't realize when you're just going through 100 miles an hour of the game itself? Well, it's just a mentality point. You know, the game is natural instinct. And that's why I was just fortunate to have is just being out there and playing. That's why it was so easy for me in my first game. It's just because, like, it's all about the ability at the end of the day. Like, you just have to train yourself to, to know what you have to do and, have, and trust your instincts. So as far as off the court goes is where I want to be, that role model, is who I want to shine the light on others who don't have the easy way out. Because that's the majority of us, to tell you the truth. And if I'm not putting forward my best effort I'm nobody at the end of the day when you talk about that mentality that you have because for fans we watch you and we listen to you talk and you come across as really unselfish it's not about me 
Try to help everybody else, right? That's, that's a fair assessment? Okay. So now I, I'm going to take it to a different level. I'm going to put you in a greed situation and see if you're going to come with me on this situation because <laughs> this is what I do. I look at Oklahoma City, and I see Kevin Durant, I see Russell Westbrook, and they're the stars. And then I see James Harden, who couldn't get to be the star because there were those two other guys and wanted to see what he could do being the guy in another situation. Do you ever think about that in your mind of looking at – because when you came in, it was, it was going to be you and Giannis. That's what it was going to be. And to be honest with you, when you came in, you were farther along than him for sure offensively, and we're going to be in that position to kind of be that leading scorer on this team. But because of the unfortunate of the situation and his unbelievable growth, he has become the guy on this team, obviously, and one of the top superstars in the league. Does that ever kind of cross and go through your mind as far as kind of how you envision this playing out going forward? Well, as far as that, it's just situation that, that put me behind. You know, they had their guys they was rolling with, and I was behind. So, you know, you have to move on at the end of the day, and you have to go with guys. And that's just experience that I like. But as far as ability goes, like, I'm the best that, that, that's out there. Like, that's just how it is. That's my ego. But when it talks about, like, James Harden and his, his circumstance, is a lot different than mine because I had injuries, and who knows how his – contract talks were sure. like mine wasn't the easiest so that's just how it is so I can't compare the two and I was a guy who was actually in the locker room with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and in the season after that Kevin ended up leaving I've been in the locker room with you and Giannis maybe just there's always those questions out there right what is your relationship like I've seen you guys on the bus I've seen you guys in the locker room just I would say speak a little bit to the fact of what is your relationship like with Giannis my relationship with all my teammates are very good we all spend the same amount of time together. Me and Giannis, we have a relationship where we, my second year, after my second year, we stayed the whole summer and worked out in Milwaukee. So, you know, we have a relationship when it comes to that. I, I, I got to sidetrack for a second because it's a distraction. I thought you were a Chicago guy. What are you wearing? Oh, man. Um, see, my mom is from the Bay. Like, I thought it was going to be a Tech Mobile thing. No. That's what I thought we were doing. Yeah, okay. so I got a lot of family out in the Bay Area. So, so tell everybody like what you're wearing because on the radio they can't see you. Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen. Yeah. Yep. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it when you put a Hall of Famer on. No, but no, I, mean, I, I literally thought it was video games. I thought, well, Tech Mobile, we like playing yeah. Tech Mobile or whatever. I thought that's what it was. Mm -hmm. right, that makes more sense. I can get back to now <laughs> no, focusing <laughs> on topic. <laughs> I really, he came walking with Raider stuff. I was like, wait a second. He's a Chicago guy. He said he should be wearing Raider stuff. I'm all confused. No, I, I wore my Bears stuff like last week. Oh, yeah, come on. I did. Yeah? Yeah. You don't have any Bears. Not any. Oh, I got I mean, a whole closet full of <laughs> Bears What throwback Bears stuff you got? Walter Payton, Dick Buckus. And that's the only two I no got No fridge? Now. No fridge. I, I, can, I, I got to dig because I like original. And it's kind of hard oh, to come across hard. original stuff, you know, especially yeah. in my size. I'll crack you up. So – I grew up in Kenosha, which, mm -hmm. as we know, is right on the border. Right. So we're pretty much a suburb of Illinois. So the Kenosha News back in the day, the newspaper in Kenosha, always did the Packer fan of the year and the Bear fan of the year. My grandma won several times for Bear fan of the year, man. Nice. Have posters up in her apartment and all this other stuff back in the 80s and 90s. And I'm a Packer fan. Right. You know, right. that was disgusting to me. I couldn't handle it. But, <laughs> I mean, but God bless her, right? She was, she was a huge Bears fan, and that's kind of what it is. You get crap uh, at, at all about – the teams that you like on this team? No, not on this team. Besides when me and Steve was on the team together. <laughs> yeah. Besides that? But that's the only, basically only Milwaukee, Milwaukee native we have. 
<laughs> and I'm not only, well, two other Chicago guys. We got to give him a Don Mikowski jersey. Uh, yeah. you know? Magic man. Magic man. Get you a Mikowski jersey or even. Well, if you're going to go old school Packer, you got to go Bart Starr and start there. Everything else is trickle down effect. This is true. Even, right? uh, well, maybe to Jabari, Brett Favre is probably even a throwback. Well, what year were you born? 95. See, oh, mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely a throwback. Yeah, yeah no yeah. doubt. Um, when we were talking about you and Giannis, uh, you guys, when you came in, you're built as the two cornerstones that are going to return this franchise to, to Lester, so to speak. A lot of talk about you, a lot of talk about the contract, what's going to happen this offseason. In your mind, are you still a Milwaukee Buck that is going to bring with Giannis a championship back to this city? Well, I hope so. I always had aspirations. Pretty comfortable here. But at the end of the day, it wasn't in my control. And that's the unfortunate part. Okay, okay. I'm going to throw something else out to you. And I don't know what Steve thinks. I told John Hammond this, and I told John Horst this. I think the NBA is all screwed up. Um, when it comes to restricted free agency and how, how that whole deal works. I think it puts everybody in a bad situation. Because if a player signs with another team, we've seen it happen in Milwaukee, and I've seen players come back bitter and mad because the Bucks matched their offer because they felt like the Bucks were just using them to see if they could get them for a cheaper price if they didn't get the price that they wanted on the open market. I think it puts a team in a bad situation, and I think it puts a player in a horrible situation with the way it's set up. Now, from a fan base, you love it. Because, okay, so Jabari can become a restricted free agent. Well, he can't leave unless we say to say that he can, and, and they can match. But how, how do you look at it from a player perspective, Jabari, now that, I mean, you're coming up on this situation and it's kind of played out already? Yeah, I mean, the team has to be professional about it, right? Like, they have to understand their strengths and weaknesses. As far as Milwaukee goes, it's not like a huge target for free agents. And I was willing to take that, you know, take that in consideration because it's home to me. I turn it into home. Right. So when it comes to like a player like myself, I wasn't desiring the max. That's, that's just wasn't ideal. So that's a misnomer. That I just wanted there. security. Okay. That's okay. all I wanted. But then I get an offer that was not what I wanted. If I, if I tell fair. you, can I, can, I don't know if you're going to answer this or not, but I want this cleared up because I've had, People tell me that offer wasn't true, and then I've had people tell me that offer is true. ESPN reported months back that they offered you three at 54, which is like 18 million a year. Is that Shoot, accurate? I wish. That's what I was told. <laughs> I was told that number was way too high, and that wasn't true. Okay, so I wanted to clarify that. Thank yeah. you. That's so all. So now I, you know. Now I know. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. Because I was told that number was not even close to what they offered you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that, that's fair enough. Because again, because what and the reason I wanted that cleared up from my own perspective is. Because there are fans that read it. Well, it's ESPN. Oh, it must be true. So they read it and they go, 18 million a year. Giannis is making 20. He's got two, new e two knee injuries and everything else. How is he thinking he's going to get all that much more than $18 million a year on the open market type deal? And, and you're in a horrible position from that perspective, too, because I'm sure that will be used against you when you get into negotiations with your knee injury. So you've got to kind of find the happy medium, I guess, to a certain degree. Uh, not, not entirely. Like, when you see guys going through injuries – you got to see how to respond. And that's no excuse on my end. Like, I can have any injury. I'm going to come back. Right. But that's not the case for a lot of people. So I'm glad that I was able to experience it now so that people know, like, yeah, have a little injury, have a minor injury, a big injury, then it don't make a difference with him. Does doing this show tonight and saying what you just said, some fans will say, 18, come on. You know why? I mean, you know, the, the misnomer's out there. Yeah. So it puts you in a bad situation because you can't sit down with every fan and go, hey, guess what? 
You know what I'm saying? Right. So doing this tonight, does this help alleviate things just PR-wise for you? Because you probably take some grief from people that say, yeah. how, do you, how do you turn that down? Yeah. How do you say it's, it's rough and it's, it's unfortunate that somebody offered you $18 million when the story's not even true? Right. And this is more a personable interview, right? Like, I'm not a social media guy. I don't tweet. Right. I don't bash people on Twitter. Like, I'm not bitter when it comes to that. I'm old school. So this is like a personal conversation that I'm having. And I'm being, I'm being legit. It's easy for me to talk that way. Let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break on that note. We'll come back and we'll talk some basketball. We'll talk on the court stuff. We got all the off the court stuff out of the way. We'll talk on the court now. Jabari Parker joining us down here. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer alongside Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels. We got more right after this. Let's hear from our podcast sponsor. Injured? Call Hupie and Abraham. Voted best, rated best, year after year. Hupie and Abraham. Tell them you mean business. Welcome back. It is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. We are broadcasting live at Merriman Social. Also, we are brought to you by our good friends at Third Coast Provisions as well. It's featuring Steve Novak, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer alongside. I'm Bill Michaels. We're sitting here chatting with Jabari Parker, who is uh, currently taking some pictures. And uh, he'll, uh, he'll finish up doing that in a couple of seconds. West Bend, the silver lining, also brings you the program. Annex Wealth Management. And we mentioned our friends earlier from Baker Tilly as well. I want to remind you that our friends at Lammy Sports bring you this program each and every week. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hour. Hour. Also on Instagram, the same. On Twitter, Hour as well. And you can follow myself. You can follow Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Steve Novak, Jabari, the whole crew up here on Twitter. Just look us up. I'm not going to go through every, every one. It's just, it, it gets too long after a while. So, Jabari, you guys uh, draw... The, the Boston Celtics, and, uh, you know, now they're banged up. It's a banged-up team. You guys are coming back healthy. Uh, last night aside, optimism at this point in time, slate is clean. You have to reign supreme when it comes to hope and optimism, right? Yeah, we do. Feeling good? Yeah. About where you guys are at? Was it a, like an ugly plane ride home last night, or, or was, <laughs> it just, was it just one of those, hey, you know what, clean slate, don't watch the film, let's move forward? Honestly, I hope my teammates don't get mad at me, but, like, after we lost, we was cracking jokes. We was having a good time because, like, we just put together something that was special. Like, we just finished. Everybody made it to the finish mark, and we was just all happy from that point. And then it made us a little bit more happy when we was watching other games, you know, seeing how other teams were playing. And seven is not, not the worst to be in, but we're not overlooking our opponent. You know, from that perspective, you, you talk about Philadelphia, uh, and as you well know, there's three-point shooters all over the court uh, on that team, and you guys probably don't defend the three necessarily the best in the whole wide world. With Boston, though, that, that team's not littered with a bunch of three-point shooters. I mean, th- that team is a little bit closer to Milwaukee in that they're not going to fire up 40 or 50 threes in a game. It's going to be a little bit closer to how you guys play. I, I would assume that that kind of benefits you guys a little bit more than versus playing a team that's three-point happy. Well, you know... When it comes to the three-point game, like, teams do that on purpose. Like, they go into the game knowing that we shoot a lot of twos. And you can't – I mean, it's kind of hard to beat a team that shoots a lot of twos and makes a lot of twos. You got you to gotta respond in a lot of threes. So that's just the scout report on us with every team. That's the only way they're going to beat us. So, But that's not, a, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad thing, though. At the end of the day, that's going to play in our advantage because – 
that's a low percentage shot compared to other shots in the court. Isn't it frustrating though? You guys have had a few games where you've scored five, six more, seven more buckets than them. Right. But you still lost a game because they've hoisted it from beyond the arc. I mean, is that just luck of the draw or is this something where, you know, hey guys, you know, in, in, a, in a league that has morphed to the three, you got to figure out how to, you know, kind of balance that end of the game out, right? Yeah, you definitely do. It comes with the territory, especially with a team that, you know, we get to the basket a lot and, you know, teams just know, you know, don't, 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 don't play the two-point game with us. Is that something you guys go into this series thinking is you guys have to shoot more threes, have to make more threes, or is it you need to be exactly who you've been and continue to be dominant in the paint? Because like Sparky and Bill were just saying, they are a very good paint defensive team. You guys are a very good paint scoring team. Right. You score a lot around the basket. So do you guys think getting more three-point shots, banging them down from the perimeter will spread things out? Or you believe the way that you guys are doing things is going to be good enough to beat the Boston Celtics in that first round? Yeah, I don't think the amount of threes are going to make the difference. I just think the tempo. We got to control the tempo. We got to force them to play fast. And when they, when they try to play within the shot clock, then you see a lot of threes happening, but you know, just try to just try to play fast. Does everybody understand what to do on this defense, man? I mean, it's been two or three years, and I swear <laughs> to God, I always hear, "Well, that guy wasn't in the right position. That guy was slow to get over here, and everything else." And it's been—I mean, there's been adjustments, obviously, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same defense, right? Yeah, it's the same defense, but it's a lot better. We got an on-ball on defender that just that just carries a load, and that's Eric Blesso, and you know. We ride his, ride his shoulders, and we've been in good position ever since. I wanted to, I wanted to go real quick go to the, the article that was written that Jason Kidd had said. It was about not necessarily the scheme, but it was the players, its commitment, and trying to teach guys to be great and want to be great and, and are, are, are different things. Um, not, not talking specifically about Kidd, but when you look at the guys on this team, who were the leaders that say, guys – put down the video games or whatever it is you're doing. We, we got some work to do. Who are the guys that do? I mean, you're a guy that had to work to come back. So you weren't all the time right there with those guys, so mm -hmm. to speak. But but who are those guys that say, hey, we got to get better? Yeah, Deli is a, is a big one. He's always a big, big leader, has a voice. Besides him, I think Jet, his experience. And as far as, like, the relationship with, with Jason Kidd, I know specifically for him, he never had a break, right? He went into playing, then coaching right away. So that was kind of a tough transition because it wasn't wrong per se. It was just an experience of the relationship that he had to, di to direct, like to not treat us like teammates, but treat us like players. And that takes a lot of patience. That just takes a lot of years. Okay. Yeah. Gives us a little different insight right. into what you right. don't normally hear. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, do, do you in that? What did you take away from Jason Kidd? Let's start there with a pod. What did you take away from Jason Kidd? I took away a lot, man. Just to see the court from a third eye. He always brings up plays that you never see, but he always has the eye for the game. Always has the feel for the game and be creative. Like he wasn't afraid to be creative, especially with us and teaching us. It's okay to throw the ball off the glass if it's going to make the defender jump and the guy on their team get the ball for the open layup. It's all right for that. So, like, little things like that, that was so fun. From, from that perspective, 
the other thing that I always hear, and it doesn't matter the sport, it can be football, baseball, basketball, and then, you know, I get the good fortune of, of working with Leroy Butler, mm -hmm. uh, and he, he tells me something else. And we always hear, well, they need a coach that's really going to be able to motivate them and get them to play hard night in and night out. And Leroy, now again, they play 16 games of football, but Leroy always said, man, you're motivated by the person in the helmet. You, everybody shouldn't need a coach to be able to motivate them. Either you want to play or you don't want to play. And that's always been his kind of perspective on it. What is your perspective on it in today's NBA? I mean, do you need that coach that throughout the season can give that rah-rah speech or that motivational speech to get you guys refired back up and going again? Because it is a long season. Yeah, I mean, energy and effort plays a big role. But at the end of the day, like when you toss the X's and O's out and scout report, it all boils down to who wants it more. But obviously, who has that, that better skill set? Like, skill just takes over a lot of, lot of problems and concerns. You know, Houston... They're not the biggest defensive team. Everybody knows that. Best team in the NBA, but that's because they're assertive. They take their time, and they know their spots and their positions. And they're not afraid to, to do more when it comes to just playing the game. Same thing with Golden State. Like, not the biggest defensive team, but, you know, they just keep it going. So skill really helps. And we have that skill. It's just trying to put two and two together. The other thing I've noticed and other people have noticed and been brought up to me on the postgame show, and I don't know if Steve Novak will agree with me or not, but it seems like you are one of not very many that seem to be very vocal when you're out on the floor, whether it be on the defensive side of the floor or whatever, that you always seem to kind of be talking uh, out there and communicating on the floor. Does this team need more communication when you're out on the floor? I say the first unit. The first unit does. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to constantly talk. Just because I'm so far behind, like, I need to catch myself up with just trying to be out there and talking and see where I need to be. And that's why I talk a lot. But the first, the first team, is, the first unit, if they can do that a little bit more than the second team, then it will be better. Is that the Coach K in you coming out? He taught you to talk. That sounds like some college to me now, some, some Wojo, some Coach K. He taught you that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It yep. is. But that's, but that's natural, though. I mean, you get taught that in high school. I mean, college. Why does – see, this is what I don't understand about you, Novak. Why, why is it – why does it have to be – why does it have to be college for it? Doesn't it – isn't it just basketball? I mean, why, why does it have to stop in the NBA? I'm a professional. I'm too cool to talk now. I don't want to talk. Why? No, I don't, I don't think it's a too cool thing. I think it's a very real thing, though, that when you go from high school to college, you basically think you know everything as a senior in high school, and you get to college and you realize you're – not that good and you don't know anything right and then you leave college educated on basketball you've been in a very militaristic a lot of times environment taught how to how to sleep how to eat how to practice how to talk or you'll be forced to talk and so in the nba yes it just does so happen that some of the players make 20 million and the coaches make five million so there's not going to be as much yelling from the five million dollar guy at the 20 million dollar guy is the power structure broken Maybe a little bit, but that's why in college they'll tell you, I won't play you unless you talk. And so, yes, that's where it happens, where things like that but get beat into you. In college, you go into college coming out of high school. You're high school, you're 18. you got a college guy who's 23. You're coming out of college, you're 23, 24 at most, and you're playing with a guy that's in his 40s. You know, I mean, a guy that could be your dad. You know, think about it. I mean, there's such a difference of maturity, of age, of what you should and shouldn't say, of knowing your place. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. When you first get into the league, you're looking at guys that they've been, they're 36, 37, and they're still getting it done in their Hall of Famers. What are you going to add to that conversation? I think it's, it's, it's relative. So if you can envision this for me for one second, I got to Marquette, and I had 
got to watch a guy named Dwayne Wade in front of me. Even though he wasn't that much older than me, he was the high end of the ability spectrum, and I was the bottom end of the ability spectrum. So I think, relatively speaking, as a guy who, if you get drafted into the NBA, if you're looking at the highest level NBA guys, I think the split is about the same as picture me as a, as a freshman or Jabari. No, never mind, not Jabari. Versus <laughs> D. Wade. And when I got to the Houston Rockets as a rookie, I'm looking around at guys like Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming. And so I think, relatively speaking, that gap is about the same, even though it's All right. only a few years in college and it's 15 in the NBA. Fine, I understand what you're saying. But let me counter with this. I, I don't care if player A makes $20 million and the coach makes a million, let's say. That's not the point. If the point is to win a championship, if that's what we're playing for, if that's the point, tell me if I'm right or wrong, Jabari. The more you communicate on the floor, the better chance you have of succeeding. Yeah. I think Steve Nash, you know Steve Nash did a, a survey, and the team that slaps the hands the most end up winning the games. So that just Get out of here. Really? Yeah. 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 That's true? Yeah, they did. That's nuts. No, it's not that it's necessarily right that just because you're being paid a lot of money you you can't be told to to talk more to get down in a defensive stance but here's the difference in the nba it's a business okay sure and if the, for example jeff van gundy wants to get in an argument with bonzi wells and bonzi wells is suspended for two months of the season and he's making five million you're going to have ownership in your office saying hey by the way that guy's making five million you can't suspend him you can't yell at him like that if he responds poorly if you're in college and you get into a guy and you suspend him or kick him off, whatever, the AD is most likely not going to come in your office and tell you how to run your program. There's a different structure. You can't get a guy who makes $20 million really angry and lose him for five months. It's a business. So there are, there are very real differences. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it can't be compared to college when guys are making that amount of money and there's ownership involved. Fine. I'm going to come back to Jabari Parker again because I'm not going to get away with this unless Steve Novak talks. So let me ask you this. You come into the, the NBA from Coach K, successful program, one of the best in the, in the country, obviously at Duke. It's his way or the highway. You do it his way. But y'all win, and he puts guy after guy after guy into the NBA, right? So we know that works. I'm sure you had your own perception because your dad played. As far as you get into the NBA, that business aspect that he talks about, how long did it take you to figure out that, man, I am not in college anymore? He's already shaking his head. Man, I still have trouble with that, to tell you the truth. I still do, just because it's not a lot of sincerity, not a lot of honesty. It's a lot of, like, backward stuff that's out of your control. And my attitude is bad when it comes to that because I just want to know, like, be honest with me. But that's going to help. It's going to help me. Like, I never look at negative things to, to be a weakness. It's going to be a strength one day. But you have to have a trust factor, though, as well going into this. I mean, the most successful team, well, maybe not the most successful yeah. teams, but a lot of the successful teams have to be able to trust one another. If you have a lot of finger pointing behind each other and everything else and people talking crap or whatever, that's not going to lead to a successful situation more times than not. Now, in baseball, you can get away with it, but in basketball, it doesn't seem to work. No, in basketball, it doesn't seem to work. But the teams that really, really show that they want to win and it's no, like, shady stuff, they stay consistent for years and years. Like San Antonio, you know? Right. And a whole bunch of teams, winning organizations. And that's set out by the leader, though. I mean, that, that's kind of put down by the leader Popovich and by their, their leader, Duncan and Tim Robinson, when that whole thing started. That's where the foundation is built. And then you sustain that leadership and build forward. Right. It's that credibility, though, because they trust Pop. And Tony Parker knows it's not personal. 
and then he'll sub him out in an instant. I remember it was two years ago. We was playing in San Antonio, and Tony wasn't playing really well. He was doing bad. And first quarter, took him out right away. Patty Mills subbed him in, you know. But there's stuff like that, that, you know, winning organizations, they really do that. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Before we do, time now for the Hupi and Abraham good drive of the game, which uh, it, we're going to give it to Jabari. It is a big Jabari slam. Here it is. There you go. That is the Hupi and Abraham drive of the game, uh, reminding you never to text and drive. And uh, that is Jabari Parker, compliments of Fox Sports Wisconsin. Come back, final segment of the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels alongside Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. We got more right after this. Welcome back. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour and uh, featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michael, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer alongside. We only got a couple of minutes before we have to get out of here. We wanted to bring in Cam as this was originally going to be our last program. Now, the next one is up in the air. Maybe we'll be back next week. But Cam is uh, one of the Cam, you're one of the owners down here, right? I am one of the owners. You're yep. one of the owners down here at Merriman Social. And this thing's been a couple of different places. Uh, over time that I have frequented and I think I fell down right in this spot years ago back in the most days and yeah yeah but I got to tell you the the food is fantastic this is a great place great venue and you guys have done yourself proud thank you very much we appreciate that it's been uh it's been a lot of fun hosting the show too it's something different for us we've never done anything quite like this before but uh it's been we've had great turnouts it's got a lot of good cool talent obviously having somebody like Jabari is awesome to get in um yeah, I'm a Chicago but Chicago guy myself all three of my business partners are so uh, we just been lost Jabari. business. You don't yeah. say that on the radio. <laughs> That's in okay. Are you crazy? I mean, we uh, we never flaunted. I mean, honestly, it's it's more rough being a Chicago fan here than it is anything. No question. If anything, I mean, I guess outside of the Cubs, maybe. But you know, I'm a. It's uh, I've really enjoyed Milwaukee. We've made it home. You know, we've been here about seven years now, and we look forward to, to opening even more businesses here. It's it's part of our long term future. So we're really bullish about Milwaukee, um, and I love the state of Wisconsin. I've been coming here since I was. Three years old, probably. Okay. Going as far north as Minocqua. So we love Wisconsin. Real quick, what does it mean to have a team like the Bucks, or, or even on Packer game day or Brewers? You just had Brewers and Cubs were in yeah. town, so I'm sure you were a little bit in your glory anyway. But what does it mean for local businesses downtown to be able to have the entities here and especially now going into the postseason? Absolutely. Uh, I think you just brought up a great example of it uh, with the Cubs coming into town last week. We got a ton of Cubs fans, but Brewers fans, too. So it really brings kind of the best out of both crowds. Uh, you definitely feel a pop at, at both of our restaurants, at Third Coast Provisions and at Merriman Social. We were busy, busy at both of them, um, you know, especially with the Bucks, and, you know, coming to the playoffs, too. I think that'll be great for business. Um, you know, at Third Coast, too, we get a lot of people because it's closer to the stadium. Get a lot of people to come early either for happy hour or come for early dinner and then come on down to the show. So, Cam. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for hosting us, too. And yeah, thanks absolutely. for the food. It's all been fantastic. Absolutely. I wish you put those French fries with the, the cheese on them and the, and the jalapenos yep. back on a menu. Or at least make it for me when I come down here. We can make it for you. There you we go. can make that exception. There you go. Cam uh, with uh, down here with Merriman Social. Guys, predictions. Sparky, uh, I, I, we got about, I, we got about 60 seconds. I, I think the Bucs are the more talented team. Uh, I think Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. We don't know about Prunty in a seven-game series. I think it's a coin flip. That's where I'm at. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a homer, but I just think that th things are aligning right for Milwaukee and wrong for Boston. I think that's what it comes down to in the NBA is what is it looking like in these in this last stretch? Therefore, you don't want to play Philly. We don't have to. We get Boston. I think we've got the edge. I want to see them stack success. They haven't done it consistently all season long. If I'm betting, I'd have to bet against the Bucks. But God knows I want to see the Bucks win. 
Thanks to Jabari Parker for joining us. Steve Novak, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. I'm Bill Michaels. Thanks to all our sponsors and our group from Baker Tilly down here today as well. Sharp Literacy, Third Coast Provisions, Baird Private Wealth Management, Coors Light, West Bend, the Silver Lining, and Annis Wealth Management. Time for us to go. Have a go.